Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast, where you can hear messages from our church that will directly impact your life. Our hope is that by listening to God's Word, your life will be transformed by the power of His truth. To learn more about our church, visit cornerstonebv.org. Here is another message from Pastor Jamie at the Cornerstone Church. Just like you, I've always wanted to live in the neighborhood with you, so let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, would you be mine, would you be mine, won't you be my neighbor, won't you please, won't you please, please won't you be my neighbor. Who misses Fred Rogers, anybody? <laughs> I'm thinking this week, uh, with the election and all that nonsense going on, maybe we should just watch Mr. Rogers on repeat, maybe follow it up with some Bob Ross or something and call it a day, right? Um, but I did do that for a purpose. You know, he obviously had a show on for years and years and years, and uh, millions of kids, and really his goal was that opening song was... It, What does it mean to be a good neighbor to somebody, right? And so in the story that Jesus is going to tell, one that probably regardless of your church background you're familiar with, a good Samaritan, um, is really answering a question. The question, as we'll see, is is, um, who is my neighbor? In other words, who is worthy for my love? And Jesus, with this story, turns it completely upside down to say, are you a good neighbor? That's the question. So before we go to God's word, let's pray. Again, Father, thank you for uh, our worship team and for um, their leadership of our music, Lord. And thank you for the opportunity to, to praise through, through music. Thank you for the gifts um, of all the team members and um, their willingness to use those gifts to, to lead us in song. And Lord, I pr- thank you for Greg's prayer and for our elders and their leadership. Thank you that we can bless so many missionaries and and causes like the food pantry uh, throughout this, especially these last several months, Lord, that this church has been faithful, and I pray you'd continue to engage us in our spirit that we might be generous and faithful to you. Lord, I pray for this time um, that you take your word, your truth, this great story and the interaction that Jesus had, Lord God, and interact with our hearts with the same words many generations later. That, that this alive and true word would be active in our lives, not just to think, 
but to do. And so, Lord, we give this to you, this time to you, this service continually as we, 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 we think about you and consider your things together um, and who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so uh, the, the parable or the story of the Good Samaritan is in uh, Luke chapter 10. So we'll put it on the screen, but if you do have your Bibles, you want to open um, to Luke 10, and it's going to start in, in ver- actually in verse 25. So a little bit before uh, the, the story. A uh, f- couple things first. One, um, if you're expecting the Lord's Supper, uh, our kind of precedent with Saturday, Sunday, when they fall last day, first day, uh, is to do it the next weekend. So we didn't forget, um, and we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper next weekend at all of our services. So keep that in mind. Also, um, our elders are excited to let you know that um, we've been working kind of for several months now with someone who feels a call to be an elder and uh, you probably know him if you're familiar with our church. Uh, his name is Michael Bundy, uh, and uh, he's really tall, so you've probably have seen him. And he's been so active in our church now for many years. And uh, uh, so on November 18th, we'll send email and stuff about this, but uh, here we're going to, not a business meeting, so anyone's kind of welcome to come, regardless if you're a member or not, uh, to hear from Mike, hear from the elders. And, and it's a really important thing, important calling. It's important... Um, as a church, that we don't just kind of dismiss it, because it is, because our elders uh, really cast a lot of leadership and vision and, and make decisions that, that impact all of us as a church family. So I uh, definitely want to be involved in that process, be praying for him and us, and, and hopefully you can make it that night. We will record it and put it out there if, if you can't and you want to watch it later. So, okay, God bless. Be, uh, be uh, um, praying for him and praying for that. So uh, it, it, as we, we get to this section in Luke 10, <clears throat> we... Um, a lot of people know the Good Samaritan, but they don't necessarily know the, the, the context of when Jesus told the story, to who and why. And so, uh, you know, remember, a lot of his stories, a lot of Jesus' teachings talk about the kingdom of God. And we've talked about this, this, this already not yet, right? The kingdom is here. Jesus ushered it in with his life, death, uh, resurrection, and ascension. But we're waiting for all of those really great promises, Right? Raise your hand if you feel like it's a broken world. Okay. <laughs> if you didn't raise your hand either, you weren't paying attention, or you got a great optimistic attitude. Good for you. Uh, but if you even look at, you know, I noticed the title that we just happened to choose for the Mr. Rogers, like, what do you do with broken things, right? Even way back then, whenever that show first aired, talking to kids about when things break. So, so we live in this, as citizens of another kingdom, and so how do we do that? Like last week we talked about the talents, and those are opportunities, where do we invest those in? And so th- this Good Samaritan is really, it starts a little bit behind the, the story. And it, it's this uh, <clears throat> lawyer who comes up to, to Jesus. And this is how Luke tells it. It says, and behold, a lawyer stood up to put him, that's Jesus, to the test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And so you have this really important, first of all, lawyer, this is not a secular lawyer that you would think of um, like in our culture. This would be a religious lawyer of the Mosaic Law, what we know as the Old Testament. So he was an expert in that, and he clearly did not have good motivations here. How do you know that? He wasn't like, huh, Jesus seems to know a lot. Let me ask him. He, he's testing him. He wants to trip Jesus up. So you can say, no, 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 I'm the expert. Let me tell you how it really reads, right? But he, he, he tests him through the question that every faith system 
asks, how do I get into the kingdom? How do I inherit eternal life? How do I get into heaven? How do I get cleansed or purified so that I can live with God, right? Whatever faith system it is, that's the question. That's, that's the key question. And so he wants to know, it's always been debated. It's still debated today, right? And so he wants to know, what does Jesus think the law says about that? So, so Jesus kind of turns it on in him. Well, you're the lawyer. What do you think it says? But he also, uh, by the way, kind of, Jesus always, always, always um, lifted in a really high level the word of God, right? You want to know what God thinks about something? Go to God's word. That's why when you come here, what do we do? We, don't, we might quote other authors or books, but we preach from the book, right? The God's word that, that we, we believe is truth. And, and so we, we get that from Jesus, right? I mean, he looked at it. He said, this is so important. What do you find in God's law to say about, eternal, uh, about eternity? So here's how the lawyer answered. And this is a pretty uh, standard uh, Jewish answer. And it's one, as we're going to see, Jesus has said himself agrees with. It says, he answered, you uh, shall love the Lord your God with all, that's a key word, right, your heart, uh, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And, and, and so he's actually quoting two different places in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 6.5, which a devout Jew would recite twice a day, and Leviticus 19.18. And so this is very common. Jesus even said this himself, right? You want to know what the law is? You want to do uh, what the law is? You, you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And you, and you got it, right? Except that's a really, really, as we're going to see, high standard, isn't it? Right? So, so he gives them this, this answer about we got to love God. Now, to love God doesn't mean I come to church and say, oh, yeah, I love God and I, I, I sing a few songs. This is love God with all your mind, right? You, you think fondly uh, of God all the time. <laughs> We've all failed right there. Right? We, we, we love God with all of our hearts. So it isn't just a thought thing. It's a life thing. I love God with all of my soul, all of my strength. So that means that, that I obey God all the time. That means I always want what God wants. That means I'm seeking God all the time in every single way. Right? That, 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 that's what that means. And then the second, it's, a, the, other ha- it's a, the other half of a, a coin, and it's not a different command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Because I love God, I begin to love you or whoever we might, we're going to have to find out, who's my neighbor as myself. What does that mean? It means I love selflessly. I, I, I think of what is, what, what is good for me, what would me, mean success for me, what would mean comfort and pleasure and goodness for me, and I say, you know what I want? That for you. That's what that means. <laughs> to say, I want it for you, not me. To love your neighbor as yourself. Right? And so um, it, 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 it kind of, I kind of brought some toys here to, to show how this works. They, they go together, um, and, and really the funnel is the key thing, right? So when, when you love God, right, whatever uh, level you sort of pursue a love for God and obedience to God, a desire for God, is going to filter into loving others as yourself, loving your neighbor. So if you just kind of love God a little or just sort of like once in a while, okay, it filters in a little bit and and you're going to find yourself loving your neighbor as yourself. But the more you fill up on the love of God, the more that's going to be your life, right? It just, in, in this filter, it just keeps going. You see, that's why it's really the same command. 
If you, you can't just start on your own power and own strength loving your neighbor that selflessly. Not going to happen. But the more you love the Lord God, not just in surface or in word, but in life, that's going to start filtering into how you treat, how you think of whoever our neighbor is. Right? So that's the right answers we're going to see Jesus say, but uh, it's an incredibly high standard. Right? So he gives Jesus this answer. And, and, and so um, Jesus uh, responds to him by saying, you have answered correctly. <laughs> Do this and you'll live. I love how Jesus does that, right? Do this and you'll live. So it's almost like Jesus is saying there's a way to inherit with your works eternal life. But we know that's not true. It's by God's grace. So what is Jesus saying here? He's saying, well, if you actually meet the standard by loving God with all your heart all the time and loving your neighbor selflessly all the time, then sure, go ahead. You've, You've earned eternal life. But do you see the problem here that lawyer has, just like we have? As soon as you, 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 you come up against that understanding, you understand that the, the, the bar is so high, right? It's so high you can't get, that you've ever heard lower the bar uh, or higher the bar? That's a track and field term. Have you ever done high jump or God forbid pole vaulting, what's wrong with you? I don't even understand, right? But, but you, you look up and you say, okay, I know I can't make that, right? So, or I can, so higher it or lower it. So the standard of, of us walking into in- inheriting eternal life on our own means to always love God and always and love our neighbor completely selflessly and every single one of us, including the lawyer, knows what? I can't do it. There's no way. Look at that. I know my sin has kept me away from doing that. Like we know that in, inherently, right? And so um, we're, we're left with, when we come face to face with that question, we're, we're left with, with three solutions, okay? And we all do one of these solutions, right? When you realize the standard of inheriting eternal life, right, and, and, and how I can't possibly reach it, right, is you do one of three things. First, you keep trying. Some of you know this. The exhaustion of the moral religious merry-go-round of trying to earn God's favor, and I keep trying, and I keep falling, and I keep trying. I can be better today. I can go to church more. I can go to all three services. I can be better, right? And, and I keep failing, and so that's why some of you keep walking in, in, in shame and guilt because you're trying to reach it yourself, and you know you can't do it, but you keep getting up and trying again. That's one way. Oh, how I long for you to understand you'll never get there. And so the second way, we're going to see the lawyer does this, right? The second thing that we, we do is we call, it calls justifying ourselves. And so what that means is make excuses and lower the bar. Except we don't have a license to lower God's bar, but we try it. And we're going to see him do that. So that means justify. Well, I'm actually not as bad as him. I mean, look at Jamie. I mean, he's a pastor and I got him beat. Like, my life's better now than it was. God, I'm trying. Won't you overlook that? Like, all of those types of of excuses we diminish. What he's going to do is he's going to try to redefine what it means to be a neighbor. 
Because, it, yeah, if I can tell, well, only God only wants me to love my, my kids and my wife, and my, I'd still fail it because I can't do that perfectly, but I'll be, have more success than uh, if I actually have to love my enemies or I actually have to love people that I don't really like or strangers, right? So what I do is instead of saying I can't get there, lower the bar to something I think I can reach. It's called self-justification. That's what he's going to do. But see, the, the real answer, and, and this is what the lawyer's going to miss, is that he could say to Jesus, I I know that's the law, and it's beautiful, but I can't reach it. Help. That's the cry of faith. Help. And so by his grace, Jesus, see, the, the beautiful standard of the law, there's one who did meet it. Jesus himself, he loved the Father fully, always, and he loved us, his neighbor, as himself by dying for us. You see, when we think of Jesus taking our place, we, don't, we often think of death and resurrection, but we don't always think life. But he lived the perfect life that none of us can do. And so the third option is to say help, and Jesus, by, by his grace, he says, come in. I have life, and it's abundant. It's found in me. And what he does is he lifts us up to the standard. Right? You can't reach it. You can't lower it. So in faith, you let Christ bring you up to it. That's what this lawyer is going to miss, and I don't want you to miss that, right? See, because what, what he does, Jesus says, hey, go ahead, go do that. Go love God perfectly. Love your neighbor as yourself. But Luke tells us that, but he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? This was a very common uh, debate that, that they would have. Typically, a Jewish leader like this would believe, well, my neighbor starts with you must also be Jewish. If you're outside of that, forget it. Right? If, if you're not in the family of God, I don't have to count you as my neighbor. And from there, they would differ on, uh, are you faithful? Are you so, right? so we start, again, we start lowering the bar. We start say, well, I can love certain people if they're agreement with me and they make me laugh and I'm comfortable with them. And if I can lower the bar to that, God, I might even be able to make it. I can't do that though, right? But that's what he's trying to do. It even says, Luke says, he sought to justify himself, right, by, by kind of saying, well, who is my neighbor? And, and so this is what the, the question he asks, who is my neighbor, is how Jesus is going to respond with his story. But before, because I really want us to personally ask, each and every one of us, two questions. And the first one is, am I trying to justify myself? When you come to that question, I can't get there, what do you do with that? That's the question. Right, remember at Pentecost, Peter stands up, this is the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus ascended, he preaches that first big public sermon, right? And, 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 and many of the Jews who were there, they felt like their heart just quickened, right? They were just, they were, and, and they came face to face, like, well, I can't do it. So the question then becomes, how do they respond? And you remember what they said? Like, what can then we do to be saved? And it allowed Peter to say, well, let me talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, his grace, his mercy, his love. Jesus said, come into me and live. I am the gate, right? I'm, like, come to me and find life in my name. And so that's how to respond. Not, well, let me just kind of act the lawyer here with God. How silly to argue theology with God. But we do it. Right? It's one of the most common things. Well, God will understand. Well, God shouldn't make that part of his word. I don't like that. Like, 
Do you ever stop to wonder who cares what I like? Right? We, we live in a culture now where we all get our say and we all can be experts in everything. That's not how God is. He says, no, no, no. Let me tell you what the standard is. Can you make it? No. Your sin. But I can get you there if you just trust in my son who died for you. And so what excuses might I be making? That's your first question. Because really the second question is for those who are in Christ. Right? Those who say, no, 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 I, I know that I can't make it on my own. And now we're going to ask, well, what, what does it mean to be a good neighbor? Because that's the beautiful thing about once you freely submit in faith to Christ, remember, he doesn't just free us from something, the, the bondage of sin and not being able to make it. He does do that, but he frees us to something, a life. Right? So now God's law is beautiful. It's not like we're like, well, I can't do that. Forget it. In Christ, you now have the freedom to pursue that. You're not going to be perfect. It's a process, right? But now I can say, all right, Jesus, in your strength, I can love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And in your strength, I can then filter down and love my neighbor selflessly as myself, and I can grow in that, not because I'm doing it in my power, but through him. So that's the first question. Are you making excuses? Are you trying to justify yourself before God? Please drop that marrow ground. It will go nowhere except exhaustion, guilt, shame, and you'll walk away because you'll never be able to make it and come into Jesus who gives you and offers you life. Oh, if this lawyer had just understood that. But instead, he changes the topic and he says, well, who is my neighbor, right? And so that gives Jesus the opportunity to tell us this story starting in, in verse 30. And I, I need uh, dead man Daryl. I know it's a girl, so Darlene, whatever he is okay and you've seen him before if you've been with us any length of time um but uh he's not dead for this one okay so we're gonna have to call him half dead daryl all right um and uh there he goes okay so don't look at him yet because that hasn't happened yet i just had to get us ready okay jesus replies so this is in reply to this lawyer he says a man was going down from jerusalem to jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed leaving him half dead. So there's half, head, half dead Daryl, Darlene, whatever, it doesn't matter, right? They're half dead, not completely dead, but can't get up, right? Like beaten, robbed. So this, is, this was actually called the bloody road to Jericho. Pretty cool, right? Well, there's a, not a cool reason why, that, that it was a stretch going down from Jerusalem about 3,000 miles, and uh, it was a long stretch of deserted road, and robbers would hide in, in places and if you went, but a lot of people would travel in huge groups for safety. You know, you didn't have police, you didn't have ambulances that could come help you. So safety in numbers. Well, in Jesus' story, we got this guy, and it would be assumed he's a Jewish man, because it's a Jewish audience, they're just assuming that, which is important. And he's, for whatever reason, he's by himself, and he's on this, this road, and the robbers come out, beat him till he's half dead. He's going to be fully dead if someone doesn't help him. Right? And they leave him there, they take everything he's got, and then that starts the story. Okay, so now there's tension, right, in this story. What do we, what, what's going to happen? So Jesus continues. He says, now by chance, so it was just by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Right? So again, it's a story, so it's kind of over the top a little bit. What's a priest doing here? But a priest was the, was the top of the Jewish kind of, the hierarchy, right? It was a descendant of Aaron. They did all the rites and ceremonies and took care of the temple. 
And, and so the, the, this priest, for whatever reason, he's on his way somewhere on this road, and he sees this half-dead man, and Jesus kind of makes this flare of dramatic where he doesn't just pass by, he goes to the other side. Ugh! Now, we're not told why. People always, what's, what's the, the priest's excuse? I love, um, uh, way, way back in, in London, Charles Spurgeon, he, he, um, he uh, was preaching on the Good Samaritan, and he, he gave about a lot of different excuses that maybe the priest would have had. We don't know because Jesus didn't tell us, right? And he was given all kinds of just horrible excuses why he didn't help this poor guy. And his congregation were snickering and laughing and chuckling. And he stopped. He said, you chuckle over the, his excuses, but what about yours? And he said, you know what? Satan chuckles at your excuses to why you don't help your neighbor. And suddenly the chuckling in his church stopped. For some reason it kept growing too. But that's the whole idea that Jesus is trying to get. Like, like, okay, we can condemn the priest, but we should instead be thinking, why is the priest doing that, right? And so, uh, so he, he goes off, and okay, what's, what's going to happen next? And, and so then, likewise, Jesus says, there's a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. Right? Same thing. Ooh, what's that? That's just, I don't have time for this. And a Levite was the next notch down. They were assistant to the priest. They weren't quite priests, but they uh, were from the tribe of Levi, and their job was to help priests, help the temple in and, and whatever way necessary. So they were very high up there. So Jesus obviously intentionally, in his fictional story, wants his listeners, including this lawyer, to think, priest, other side, didn't help, right? Levi, other side, didn't help. So now comes, if you're listening to the story, you're like, okay, there's got to be someone else, how these stories work. And you're probably expecting a regular old Jewish Joe, right? Just, just a Jewish man, not a priest, not a Levite. That's kind of what you're probably expecting to come next. And you're like, I wonder if he'll help him. And it's, your wheels are, are turning. But Jesus instead completely shifts the script on him. And he says, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. We'll get to that, but first, a Samaritan. What is that? That doesn't mean a whole lot to us, but it would to them. They hated Samaritans. Samaritans hated them. It was, it, basically, Samaritans were, if you go back to the Old Testament, you had the, the 12 tribes, and there was a civil war that 10 in the north went their own way, had their own kingdom, their own capital in Samaria. The two southern tribes had their own capital in Jerusalem. And they, they often fought. Sometimes they partnered together, right? Assyria comes on the scene, and they conquered the north, but not the south, right? And the south was eventually conquered by Babylon, you know, 100-plus years later. And so Assyria takes over, and what they did was they deported a lot of the Israelites in the north, right? And they uh, settled Assyrians or pagans, and they would intermarry to the generations. And so you had this whole descendant of what we would call half-Jews. They're from Jewish and Assyrian origin. And so they became known as Samaritans. And eventually, when the, what they considered themselves pure Jews, right, when they came back from Babylonian captivity and rebuilt their temple, the Samaritans came and offered to help. And they said, no way, you dirty Samaritans, you're half-breeds, we don't need your help, get away. So they got angry, built their own temple, uh, which they were not supposed to do. That just made the Jews more angry, and that's how it went for years and years and years. You get the Jesus day, they are, when you talk about prejudice, when you talk about, ugh, Whoever that might be, that's the Samaritans and the Jews at this time. And so in this story, you're sitting there as a Jewish man or woman, and you're trying to think, okay, who, what's this probably common Jewish Joe going to do? No, it's a Samaritan. 
Oh, and you probably know where Jesus is going because he has compassion. And you're like, you're going to make a Samaritan the hero of your story? What kind of rabbi are you? Right? God doesn't care about Samaritans. That's probably how you're thinking. At least a lot of them would have been. But instead, he had compassion, right? He sees, and instead of the priest and the Levite going to the other side, he goes toward with compassion. And it says, as he went to him, and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he set him on his own animal, and he brought him to an inn, and he took care uh, of him. And verse 35, and the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. See the opposite? So, so in the story, this Samaritan, right, comes and instead of the priest and Levite, he goes towards and, and he comes and he, and he binds up the wounds. And I have some oil here. It's, we pray over people sometimes. But, um, but oil and wine would have been a first aid kit in that century. Right? So he's taking it out. That's his resources. This isn't cheap stuff. And he's, and he's uh, trying to help him as best he can. He realizes, man, this guy can't get up on his own strength. Picks him up, puts him on his car, which was an animal back then, right? And brings, they didn't have hospitals, brings him to an inn, right? And he lays him down and he spends at least a night taking care of him. And then he gives the, uh, the innkeeper two denarii, which a lot of people think from inns, research, blah, 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 it's probably about two months' worth of stay. And he says, on top of that, I'll come back. If, he, if any more is needed, I'll pay the bill. Right? And so what you see in compassion is that there's always a cost. There's a cost of time. There's a cost of inconvenience. There's a cost of, of crossing racial and prejudice barriers. There's a cost of maybe this will be awkward. There's a cost of money. There's a cost of my, I was headed somewhere. Like, like he was going somewhere, right? And now he's, he's, he's laid up. He's, he's got to do something else. And so maybe he didn't make a meeting or maybe he didn't get home in time, right? But, but he, he has this opportunity. He was not expecting. There's a cost to compassion. And so Jesus kind of wraps up um, this story by asking the lawyer, remember him, right? Which of these three, priest, Levite, or uh, Samaritan, do you think pre- proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Notice how Jesus has flipped the script. The question was, who is my neighbor? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Are you a good neighbor? Are you a neighbor? Not who's my neighbor? Stop trying to justify yourself and say, what does it really mean to love my neighbor? What would you do in that situation? And so, of course, he's tripped up. He's backed into a corner. He doesn't want to do this, but you listen to that story. What are you going to say? The priest, right? Right? You can't. So he's like, well, yeah, the one who, who showed him mercy. He can't bring himself to say Samaritan, can he? The one who showed him mercy. And I love this. So simple. Jesus said to him, all right, you go. Do likewise. That's your answer. Trying to get him back to saying, I can't make it, right? But it's still a beautiful story in response to those of us who are in God's strength, trying to pursue love for God and love for our, our neighbor, right? And it, and, it, and it comes down to, uh, am I a good neighbor? So the first really question with that is, based on Jesus' story, what is a good neighbor? Right? I, I want you to leave here saying, okay, I want to do that, but what, who's my neighbor? Is it, you know, 
you know, uh, John over here of Moses' lawn with his shirt off? Like, I really have to be patient with that? Yes, but that's not the only one who fits the bill with your neighbor, right? Come on, John, you know, go to the gym or put a shirt on. That's not a good neighbor. Let's just start there. But um, it, it's, it's far more than that. You look at this story, okay? A neighbor is, remember last week, it's an opportunity, but it's an opportunity with a person, right? person made, by the way, in the image of God, no matter who they are, what they think, what they believe differently than you, how they've hurt, they are, they have the imago Dei, the imprint of God's image, and that means they matter. They matter to God, and therefore, they should matter to us. And so, their opportunities, okay, probably not going to be on the bloody road with someone half dead. Maybe, but probably not, right? And, it, and, and it's any opportunity where somebody, anybody who comes into my space needs something. They might just need you to be kind for a moment. How are you? How's your day going? And not just hoping they don't answer kind of how you doing, right? How you doing? And if they really need something and they start talking to you, then you actually stop. And even though this is a screw-up of your schedule, you, that's what they need right now, right? They need that. Maybe they need a helping hand. Maybe they need you to connect them to a counselor. Maybe they just need a listening ear. Maybe they need financial help. Maybe they're whatever. They need a job or, uh, you know, maybe they just need our patience with them because they're having a really, really rough time. And, and, and so anyone who comes into our space, which in Jesus' day, they never would have had technology space, right? But we do. You can actually have a neighbor who's across the world because you know about them their situation, right? We have helped build churches. We have helped uh, students in Africa. We've helped because we know about it. They become our neighbor. You hear about them. Or we hear about the food kitchen as a church, or the soup kitchen as a church and the food pantry, and you say, that's my neighbor. Like, I don't know all of those people, but they're my neighbors. I found out I'm giving. There's a need there, right? That is what it says. People come into our space, and there's an opportunity, small, medium, and big, and Jesus says, are you a good neighbor? We all got them. We all have neighbors on our social media that we see. We have neighbors at school, on campus, on playing fields, in uh, concert halls. We have neighbors at work. We have neighbors that are our boss. We have neighbors that are our friends. We have neighbors that are our extended family. These people who come into our lives, strangers in line on election day, that's your neighbor. Stranger in the grocery store, that's your neighbor, right? And so Jesus wants to widen. The lawyer's trying to like, well, who's my neighbor? Uh, is it really just? He wants, no, 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 no. No, no, that's not the wrong question. Everyone who comes into your space gives you an opportunity to be a neighbor. So the real question, right, is am I a good neighbor? That's the second question. First question that I want you to answer is am I self-justifying? And if I'm not, I want to pursue God's beautiful law. And so if I want that, what does it mean for me to be a good neighbor? Compassion has a cost of time, schedule, money, resources, attention, awkwardness. I might have to help someone I don't like. I might not like them at all. I might even, if I'm not in church, say I hate them, right? For us, I mean, th- throughout the years, you could say that could be someone in, in a racial prejudice. That could be someone in a different culture. That could be someone that they just got out of prison. I don't trust them. I don't like them. For us, I think, in here, in this room today, it's worldview. That's what we have going on right now. If someone disagrees with how I view the world, I don't trust them, and I end up hating them. And that's your neighbor. They might have a different religion. It doesn't mean we think they're right and we accept what they say is right, but they're still our neighbor. 
And we're still called when we have opportunities. And compassion has a cost. Compassion has a cost. So here's what I want you to do um, in your prayer time. Not necessarily right now, but in your prayer time this week is just, man, just breathe and let God, um, younger generations, kind of view your previous day or who you're planning on kind of seeing this day and let it kind of come across your, your mind like a movie screen, right? Like a slow motion movie playing out. And as each opportunity, did I, did I take that opportunity, small or big, to be a good neighbor? There might have been a cost that I just didn't want to pay. I avoided it. I, I didn't, right? And, and f- you know, for the older generations, you remember those things you used to look and you go, and it would like snap a scene. Who remembers those? I don't remember what those were called, but yeah. What? Viewfinder. Okay, yeah. Right? So you put in a little thing, and that was our, our, our movie screens back then, old people like us, right? And, and like, so think of it that way, like that person. All right, how, how was I a neighbor to my wife, my kids, my parents, my classmates, my friends, uh, the per- that stranger I met, or that person who, who, who annoyed me or who I saw online? What did I do with that little, medium, or big opportunity? And there's gonna, when you do that, there's a lot of, oh, man, Lord, help me. There's a lot of humility that comes into that, and there is a ton of confession. Make me better, and that's okay. You aren't going to get there in your power. It is through his grace. But the first step is to let God show you, pray for opportunities to be a neighbor, and then say, God, give me the strength to pay the cost of time, of money, of resources, whatever. The smile that I really don't feel like giving them because I don't feel very happy right now. It's a cost, and God would say, pay it. Am I a good neighbor? And here's how Jesus left it with, with him and with us. Go and do likewise. And, and, and I want to remind you before we, we close, I, I want to remind you that if you really want to be a good neighbor, it starts with the filter, right? It starts with, am I loving God? Am I pursuing a deeper, more affectionate love for God in his word, in prayer. That's why we're here right now, right? You could be doing anything else. You say, I want to love God more, right? I want to I really love God. I want to just sing a song. I don't want to just say, yeah, yeah, I love Jesus. I want to love him. I want to love him for all that I have. And the more you pursue that, the more it filters into your relationships with people you like, people you don't like, strangers, and you'll start to see it's weird. The more I'm connected to the love of God, the more I'm able to love my neighbor as myself. That's how it works. You can't cut yourself off and try to do it on your own strength. That if you leave here right now saying, all right, pastor, I'm going to love my neighbor. I'm going in, right? You're going to get to your car. Someone's going to get in your way. and like, really? There's ice, right? And suddenly, you, right? Because on your own strength, just like me, you're going to fail. But if the more you pursue the love of God, the more you recognize who you are in God, the more you realize how much he loves you, what he's done for you, suddenly someone gets in your way, you're far more patient, and it filters, right? It filters. And so wherever you are today, maybe it's making excuses, and you need to just come into life with Christ, or maybe it's Man, I know right now it's a stressful time. Everyone's on edge. I'm not being the best neighbor to certain people. And so, man, confession, walk in the forgiveness of Christ and say, Lord, give me the strength to be a good neighbor moving forward. And when I fail, get me back up. Get me back up. Let's pray. Father, I love that 
saying that Jesus said, go and do likewise. It's beautiful and it's wonderful, but it's hard. And Lord, it, it can be really easy to talk about in church. We confess, Lord, that it's hard out there in life sometimes to be that Samaritan, to look at someone and just say, we're going to stop and we're going to show even if a tiny bit of the love and light of Jesus to this person. Lord, I pray that our social media would reflect being a good neighbor. I pray our conversations at work, at school, on campus, at home, in the stores, and wherever we are found in church, that they would be conversations of compassion and we'd be a good neighbor. That, Lord, even when we disagree with someone, that's going to happen, but that we would say, I can be a good neighbor. I can, even if they're not loving me, Lord, thank you. You give me the strength and the freedom to love them. I pray that this would be on our, all of our minds as we pray this week, as we let you sift through our, our days and our lives, that you would show us opportunities. Every person, God, that we meet with the Imago Day, the image of God is an opportunity to be good to and Lord, on our own, we'll sink, but with you, we'll soar. And I pray you'd give us that strength and wisdom to do it. And when we fail, to get back up in your grace and your mercy. And Lord, before we, we sing, I, I lay before you anyone in this room, and I know there's people in this room who are trying that, that exhaustive wheel of, of morality, trying to be better. And they've just never walked in faith in Christ. You invite them right now, Lord. I pray that they would feel your invitation, know your invitation to walk in life, to be free from their own self-excuses and self-making, and they'll just be free in you, that you did it for us, that they would just say, Jesus, save me. I want to walk in life. I know that can't happen in my words, but your power, O Holy Spirit, draw men and women, boys and girls into life, that everyone in this room Every single human being in this room, God, would be saved in Jesus Christ, I pray. Oh, Lord, we worship you. You're our Savior, your Lord, our Lord, our God, our King. In your name, all God's people said, amen. Let's stand and sing. Thank you for listening to the Cornerstone Church podcast. To listen to more messages or check out our church, please visit cornerstonebv.org. If you are looking for a church home in the Blackstone Valley, please join us on a Sunday morning at either 9 or 11. We are a gospel-centered church where our lives are transformed by the power of God's Word.